Sound hopping. Um, today is episode eight, I believe, and I've got three albums to talk to you about. Two of them are new, and one of them is an old classic, and I can't wait to get into it. So let's not waste any more time and start with the first album, which is uh, an album, a new album by Dream Wife, um, a London band, and it is called So When You Gonna. Dreamwife are an unapologetically loud and outspoken all-woman band. They're based in London and they're known for their exhilarating live shows that have been recognised by the likes of Rolling Stone magazine and BBC Music. Their new album, So When You're Gonna, is a follow-up to their debut album and it's a refreshing mix of punk and indie rock from a vibrant and fresh female voice and perspective. In order to get the comparisons out the way early on, I'll say quickly that I found the blend of a female voice, the powerful rock instrumentation and the catchy hooks and choruses that reminded me very much of other great bands such as Wolf Alice and Sunflower Bean, the latter of whom were supported by Dreamwife on their tour last year. Most notably in the heavier songs, where there's lots of screaming and vocal fry, similarities to Wolf Alice's Ellie Rousel can be made, although I'd say that the album as a whole has a more indie and even pop influence and theme than the works from Wolf Alice. These heavier songs include the first track, Sports, Homesick, and the album-titled song, So When You Gonna, which is undoubtedly my favourite from the album. The screamed vocals, paired with taunting, demanding lyrics, set to a chaotic, distorted guitar, make this song super exciting, an ideal backing for a night in the mosh pit. So when you gonna, Something Dreamwife employ at live shows is a, in their own words, bitches to the front rule, which allows the moshing to be safer and more inclusive for girls and women who want to be at the front and amongst the chaos at their gigs. Some of my favourite songs from the album are the more pop and Indian inspired tracks, namely Hasta La Vista and Hold On Me. The prominent bass lines and commanding vocals form a more stripped back sound that is a continuation of female-led punk and rock set out in the 70s by the likes of Debbie Harry from Blondie. I have to praise the album for balancing the need of energetic and exciting rock music with those standout screams and vocals from lead singer Raquel Miol and the need for solid, melodic tracks with really memorable choruses and melodies too. These are the lighter, catchier moments which allow the album to flow and breathe far easier. The lyrics for me are also a highlight, covering a range of topics from heartbreak and moving on to living in the moment in songs like Temporary, You Do You and Right Here Right Now. And then they, they move on to other topics like empowering messages of validation and feminist support for body autonomy for instance and um, independence, uh, especially in the final track After the Rain. It's my choice, my life It's my will, my sacrifice It's my body, my right 
Honestly, the only thing that I didn't like on the album are the little ad-libs or spoken bits in songs like Sports and So When You're Gonna. They're acted out like little bits of speech. For instance, in Sports, they're like a video game or race announcer. And in So When You're Gonna, someone, someone's there complaining about someone being a bad kisser. They're like little bits of spoken like ad-libs to the song. Personally, I'm not sure if it adds a bit of personality or just cheapens the otherwise really polished album with something that's a bit cheesy or silly, and to me it just feels a little bit out of place. Thankfully, the rest of the album doesn't seem too tongue-in-cheek, so I'm not sure if I like it, but uh, at least it's far and few between. Overall, I really enjoyed the album. Um, I don't think it engaged me as much as their first album, um, and there's definitely a, a more lean towards the melodic, and there's even some ballads on the album. Um, I think it's a step forward in the, um, uh, in, and there's progress in their songwriting and um, you know the, lots of the songs are more complex than on their first album because they're going away slightly from the, the punk sound but th that's still there in, in bits so I, I think lots of people who enjoyed the first album or or enjoyed you know female-led punk and rock and you know female rock bands at the minute um, you know like the ones I mentioned earlier I think people will really enjoy this album still <laughs> Okay, the, the next album isn't an album which I thought I'd be reviewing, and it's definitely not something I would I would think that I would even listen to or, or give the time of day, but I, I heard a few good things about it, and I thought I would give it a go, so, so I have. This album is the new release from Taylor Swift, and it's called Folklore. I decided to give the new Taylor Swift album a listen and a quick review, just because I saw a lot of... Obviously her social media presence is quite strong, she's got millions of fans across the world and I heard, um, I think it was on Twitter, lots of people, um, you know, surprisingly from from people who I didn't think would be Taylor Swift fans, you know, and people who were claiming that they don't really like Taylor Swift, that, um, you know, to, for other people to give this album a listen, um, some people were saying it's her, like her sad boy album, um, you know, so, so it grabbed my interest, so I decided to give it a listen. And, well, this is what I think of it. Unfortunately, for me, this is not a good album at all. And I don't think it's um, drastically different from anything she's released before. Um, sadly for me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite into country music. And it's it's not going back to, uh, except from one song on the album, it's, it's not going back to her country roots. Um, to me, it just seems like the normal, boring pop music that we've come to expect from Taylor Swift. So, um not that I was expecting anything in particular anyway, I was still disappointed by this album. In my opinion, the first four songs from this album can be completely disregarded. This includes the collaboration with Bon Iver. Um, for me, it's just wish-washy pop songs, but they're not even catchy. They're not memorable or poetic. Um, you know, at least some of her big hits have been catchy and have, you know, their earworms. But for me, these first four songs especially, it's just bland nothingness. The first interesting song um, has the most pretentious title and lyrics. It's called My Tears Ricochet. I didn't have it in myself to go with grace Cause when I'd fight you used to tell me I was brave But despite the humorous, you know, pretentiousness of the title, for me, the song is the first that really grabs attention on the album. 
The song is then followed up by one called Mirable, which is equally good. It's pleasant. You know, I really like the harmonies and the the relatively surface level lyrics are more than serviceable. Both of these songs have a thicker sound, which I think really helps. There's more, I think there's backing string instrumentation. Um, you know, there's just, they're a lot fuller sounding, a um, bit more produced than the first four. Um, and the first four, as a result, they, they sound a bit empty sounding. The best song on the album for me is one called August. Um, it's got an early 2000s indie pop sound, really big string arrangement, and it's it's a really nice uplifting ballad. So I, I quite enjoyed this track. But I can see us lost in the memory. August slipped away into a moment in time. Cause it was never mine. And I can see us twisted in bed sheets. August slipped away like a bottle of wine. There's also a song which sounds a bit like Gautier. Um, it's called Invisible Strings. So um, that's quite a decent section of the album. Unfortunately, this is where the album goes downhill. Somehow it gets even worse. There's a song called Illicit Affairs. And, you know, as well as most songs on the album, it just sounds bland. It's so simple. It's the dumbest surface level lyrics, um, the boring instrumentation, vocals, melodies, it's it's four chords rubbish. That's the thing about illicit affairs and clandestine meetings and longing stares. It's born from To me it sounds like a Disney Channel song. You know, it's it's straight out of camp rock. It's uh, it's just so bland and unoriginal. The song that comes after it is called Mad Woman. Um, it's so surface level, it's just it's just got really crap lyrics. Um, you know, some of the worst are Does a scorpion sting when fighting back? Um, Do you see my face in your neighbour's lawn? Um, it, it's just really, really generic. I don't know, it, it's meant to like elicit some sort of emotional response. They're sort of nothing phrases. Um, and, you know, I, I know I've complimented other artists like Neil Young for using lyrics like this before but the music just doesn't back it up you've, you've got to have some substance behind it if you're just throwing these throwaway phrases um but the music just doesn't support it it's just so boring the next song's called epiphany and you know i i had the epiphany a long time before reaching this 13th track on the album that this album is boring there's even a song called hoax and I think that all the positive feedback I saw online from people I trusted was the real hoax. That was the hoax. Me being tricked into listening to this album and, and believing for even a second that this would be an enjoyable experience for me. It just seems like the album is trying too hard, but not when it comes to the music in, in terms of the marketing and the, the branding of it um, and, and the, the attempted themes and topics of the lyrics. You know, none of the, the, the track titles on the album name have capital letters. Uh, is is that meant to be edgy? Is that a st I, I really don't know why. Um, not to mention this song has 16 tracks. It's over an hour long. Um, so it's not too long, but it's got 16 different songs. And I couldn't recall a single melody or chorus from the album now talking about it like a day later. Um Oh, I just think it's it's just a bit bloated. It's it's so bland. It goes on too long, and unfortunately, I'm I'm sorry, but I gave it a go. I was expecting good things. I went in quite positive, but for me, it's just it's just not great. I'm sorry. I think that's the the real sin of this album is that it's it's not great 
And it, you know, you couldn't say it was terrible either. The great sin is that it's just so bland. It's so boring. Okay, let's move on to a different album. I'm getting a bit tired of moaning about that last one. Up next is an iconic album from the 90s. It's an eclectic mix of punk, rock and experimental noises that can only be described as the work of Sonic Youth. Yes, the classic album I've chosen to listen to this week is uh, the album Goo um, by Sonic Youth. It's their ninth LP and it's their iconic brand of noisy, dissonant and messy rock. Now, I'm not really an avid listener of Sonic Youth. Uh, I think the only song I really knew from them before going into this album was Teenage Riot, which I think is their most popular song, at least going by um, by uh, streaming metrics. But um, yeah, I, I only really knew what to expect based on that song. What I found really interesting about this album is that within the tracks you can hear the the influence that they had on 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 rock music and indie music since then you can you can hear other bands within their sound which is super interesting for example the first song on the album which i love um, it's called dirty boots it's a really indie garage rock song um and i i think you can hear like hot fuss era killers in that song um the explosion of the chorus is absolutely phenomenal um, you know, it all builds up to this big explosion when the chorus kicks in, it's great. I really love Kim Gordon, um, her, her spoken word bits on this album, and the, the second track, Tunic, um, really, really shows this off. Tunic has a really fast-paced guitar riff, um, but over the top, it's Kim Gordon's vocals, um, and, and it's a spoken word piece, really. Um, and, it, and she's talking, um, I believe it's from the perspective of, um, I was told that it was from the perspective of um, someone who had died, um, I think uh, committed suicide or, or had issues with, um, I think it was anorexia. Um, and, and, it, and it's written from the perspective of this, this girl who, um, from heaven, and they're talking about you know, like Elvis is here, up in heaven with me kind of thing. Um, and they're talking to their mum. Hello Dennis, Elvis, and all my brand new friends. I'm so glad you're all here with me. the very end. Um, I, th I think the track's a little bit too long for me, but it, um, you know, it's really good. It, um, I just really enjoy how Kim Gordon uses um, spoken word bits throughout this album um, to really change pace and um, uh, and add a, a, a real level of clarity which isn't there with the instruments because they're really messy and grating you know really fast and messy dissonant guitar riffs um, and her spoken word bits really add you know that clarity to it one of the disappointments on the album for me is that they've got a collaboration with Chuck D from Public Enemy you know, he's an iconic MC and um, rap artist himself. Um, and and he's on a track on this album called Cool Thing. Um, you know, it's got one of the best riffs, I think, on the album. You know, it's really frantic and energetic. And the, 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 the lyrical hook is one of the catchiest, easily. Um, it really expresses youthful rebellion and angst. But I, I think it's a bit of a wasted collaboration. You can't really hear Chuck D that often. It's not really a big part of it. 
he might have had a little more to do with the production side of it but um, I think it's a bit of a waste really I, I would like to see more of Chuck D's influence on that track now my favourite track from the album is definitely Moat um, the first three and a half minutes are some of the most traditional rock on the album um, maybe even pop sounding you know it's got a super catchy melody in the verse and the choruses um, there's an ever present screeching noise that sort of reminds you just who you're listening to but apart from that, it's really decent, um, fairly traditional or standard, standard rock. Just as you're forgetting that you're listening to Sonic Youth, halfway halfway through, um, they start this montage of noise. Um, You know, the song basically ends at three and a half minutes, and all of a sudden, you know, guitar feedback, rattling, radio frequencies, mechanical sounds, whirling and drilling and screeching noises fill um, the rest of the seven minutes of the track. Um, I think it's a bit long again. Um, but I, I quite enjoy their use of this sort of mechanical dissonant montage because um, it's almost like a spiteful fuck you for the for like the first half of the song, which is super standard and not particularly like Sonic Youth. Um, it's almost like they begrudgingly released you know the first half of this track as a song for radio play and be a bit more commercial. Um, but instead of you know finishing the song there they made it so there has to be like a radio editor of it or a um you know almost yeah just really spiteful you know here's the first three minutes but we're not going to cut the track off here we're going to fill the second half of it with this noise um which i think is you know maybe that's just how i'm reading into it but um i think that's really great these musical montages happen quite often during this album there are two tracks which are just just noise on their own um you know it's just just instrumental like minute long tracks uh, my friend goo and uh mildred pierce um i don't really see what they add i know it's like a sonic youth thing but i i think i'd prefer it when it's sort of part of a track like in moat um you know there's not really much to comment on them i i don't really see what they add to the album personally but it but it, i guess it is the character of sonic youth Another one of my favourite tracks on the album is called Cinderella's Big Score. Um, It's a great punk song. It flows between parts really nicely and it changes and evolves musically. I I think it's one of the most interesting songs on the album, musically. And I love the aggressive and tight drums on it. Um, All the overdubbed guitar parts fill fill the sound out and it it becomes this really vibrant and jagged punk rock song. especially love how it changes and evolves it changes mood um uh, a couple of times throughout the song um you know especially when it um turns into the more upbeat spoken word sections of the song um yeah it's definitely one of my favorites i'd probably put this song alongside the the last track on the album called uh, titanium expose um you know it, again it's like a jerky darting double tracked guitars um, it's chaotic and frantic, um, a bit more rock than, than punk, but um, I put them in together, I, I really enjoy them. As a final like recap, I, I, I'd say I really enjoyed the album in parts, 
I really love Dirty Boots, Tunic, Titanium Exposed, Moat, um, and Cinderella's Big Score. Um, but I don't think it's something I'd listen to uh, as an album, you know, all the way through. You know, normally I, I'm really into that. I, I rarely listen to playlists. I like listening to albums in their entirety. But for me, I think it's just too inconsistent in its ability to maintain my interest rather than the the actual quality of the album because it, it's inarguably a really great piece of work. But I don't think it holds my interest, even though it's for, uh, you know, it only lasts for 49 minutes. You know, there are those really, you know, there are those really chaotic and um, screeching, dissonant uh, instrumental bits in certain songs and as well as the instrumental-only tracks. Um, for me, it's just a bit overwhelming and doesn't particularly add to the music. Um, and, and I think it's, th- th- for this reason, you know, these parts that I think this is what makes the album, for me, feel kind of drawn out and you know much longer than it than it than it lasts i get that it's their thing you know this is the sonic youth brand i like the noise and dissonance and chaos when it's used in solo sections bridges breaks or in intros and outros um of otherwise really entertaining and gripping songs you know like cinderella's big break um it's got intros and outros which which utilize this dissonant montage of noise but i you know, I don't like it as much as a style or art form on its own. I think this is definitely a personal thing. Um, you know, it's, it's not a criticism. It's just a um, there's a difference between um, you know the music and, and my tastes personally. For me, I would like these these instrumental bits to just be a little more melodic, or at least have some sort of um, more apparent meaning or purpose behind them um, to really maintain my interest. Um, but you know, that's to say they're not bad. It's just, it's just not. Um, I guess it's just not for me, really. Again, like I said earlier, for me, some of the best bits are the spoken word segments from Kim Gordon. Um, they really are the, you know, some of the highlights of the album. Her tone makes songs like Tunic really take on an an almost otherworldly or ethereal sound. Um, and for me, it's really this edition of of her vocals. On top of this chaotic, um, you know, the guitar, the really jaggedy, noisy, messy guitar tracks that makes this album timeless in my eyes. And I don't mean this is timeless, you know, like because it's a classic album, it's timeless. I mean, I could, I, if I listen to the, if I listen to this album without any previous context or knowledge, I don't think I'd be able to place it um, in the year 1990 at all. I think the sound is so unique. Um, and, it, and it doesn't just sound fresh, but almost alien. Um, you know, it, to me, even listening to Goo now, it sounds like it's a, it's a sound from the future. Uh, like like the, the rest of music still hasn't caught up with this brand of music. Um, it's just so different and out there. So I, I think that's why it's, 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 it's aged so well and, it's, and, it, and it's, it's thought of as being a timeless album because it, it just really hasn't aged because it's so unique. I don't want to be too harsh on this album because I, I, I clearly think that it has four or five great songs and it's definitely a solid record. You know, f- for most bands, having four or five great songs on an album, you know, that is a really successful album. And um, I know at the time it got, you know, some of the songs got lots of radio play, especially in um, American colleges, for instance. Um, you know, so I think having five great songs on this album is a, is a triumph, to be honest. Um, and I... 
even though for me I don't think it's worth listening to the whole thing um, just for these songs I'd certainly listen to the the five great songs which I really like on their own or as part of a playlist okay so that's the end of episode 8 of Sound Hopping I really hope you enjoyed listening I know I really enjoyed listening to and talking about at least two of the albums but um, you know I had a really good time and I hope you did too so I hope to see you next week um I'm going to be reviewing the new Fontaine's album. Um, I cannot wait. I've been looking forward to the album since since the release of Dog Rule, their first album. I really, really cannot wait to talk to you about that album. Um, so I'll see you then. Don't forget to follow on Spotify to be alerted when that album comes out and to stay up to date with the podcast. So thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you then. Thank you for